the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Wait. Can't start till I clock in. You know what I'm saying? I don't do this for free. Now you're saying you do it for eight dollars and eighteen cents an hour, right? Sometimes it does feel like that. Stock market. Hold a minute. Hold there just a minute, young man. So yesterday we looked at the FOMC minutes and they revealed that more members were inclined towards further quantitative easing at the August 1 meeting than at previous meetings. And this morning when the Fed Reserve governor comes out, dances around and says, you know what? Data's changed since then and we may not change. We may not do anything. So it's like bogus. I know. Bogus, dude. Haven't heard that word since Bill and Ted with the wonderful and talented Keanu Reeves. Okay, so I'm making it sexy again. Don't hold me, hold against me the fact that I can make words like bogus rock. Men rock, words rock. Home prices climbed seven-tenths of a percent on a seasonally adjusted basis in June, following a revised six-tenths percent increase in May. In the last 12 months, prices have risen 3.6%. That's nice. Um, second quarter to first quarter prices rose 1.8%. The FHFA Purchase Only Index is based on transactions bought or guaranteed by Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac. Sales of new U.S. homes climb in the month of July. Sales of new single-family homes in July climbed to an annual rate of 372000 from 359000 in June. Sales in June revised up from an original reading of 350000 So not only do we get good news for the month of July, but we go back in history. We see June was better than we thought. Biggest increase was in the Northeast, up 77% after falling 55% in June. So these numbers are off pretty low lows. So the supply of new homes available for purchase in the U.S. market fell to a 4.6 months rate. That's pretty impressive. That's We're lean in inventories on new homes. And again, not existing homes, new homes. What's the difference? I don't know. Even breakfast right now. Of course, you know the difference between a new home and existing home. HP is a drag on tech stocks day. HP sucks. Um, HP is stuck in between IBM and Accenture. And they kind of just stink, all things considered. PC sales down, desktop sales down, notebook sales down. Meg Whitman's talking about 2016 is it's just too big of a problem. It's bloated and they've done bad acquisitions or acquisitions that they ultimately have to write off. And they've done a lot of per- stock purchases that haven't worked out for them. Shares of Haynes Celestial higher. They make certain packaged food lines. Um, they plan to buy certain products from UK Premier Premier Foods. Can't get up and down excited about that, can we? Um, oh, and by the way, back to HP real quick. They stuffed the channel with printers. So even though they looks like they had a good printer quarter, they didn't. And they even said so. Tropical Storm Isaac is threatening the GOP convention. God is trying to hate the Republicans. The center of Tropical Storm Isaac could hit the eastern Gulf of Mexico off the coast of Tampa by 2 a.m. Tuesday. Tampa is the site of the Republican National Convention, which is scheduled for Monday through Thursday of next week. Storm is reportedly churning about 225 miles south-southeast of Puerto Rico right now. Storm could move between Florida and Cuba into the Gulf of Mexico, or possibly swing east in the Sunshine State. 
CNN has learned that the city is prepared to call off the convention if necessary. Yay! Like, that's entertaining. Bank of Spain may get some new bank closing powers. There's some headlines today, aren't there? Several Spanish newspapers have reported that the government was poised to give fresh new powers to the Bank of Spain to intervene early on failing banks and shut them down if necessary. Wow. See, the problem with the world right now isn't the United States. The Fed can say whatever they want to say. The problem with the world is China slowing and China needs to make a move on monetary policy. Germany is not slowing fast enough. Come on, Germany, go into the dumper. Just take the proverbial dump. Get it over with. Have your economy tank. And then you'll be motivated to do the right thing. Oh, weekly jobless claims came in up slightly to 372,000. Best Buy is talking with their founder again, Richard Schultz. He loves me, he loves me not. He loves me, he loves me not. Weekly jobless claims. Not really a story. We need job creation, not unemployment numbers. It's not getting worse. We're not cutting jobs faster than we're creating jobs. We're just not creating jobs faster than we're cutting jobs. It's kind of like a almost a zero-sum game at times. Gold and oil rose today after the China data. China manufacturing data showed significant deterioration. China's going to do something on the weekend. That's why this market's like a rubber band. It's just ready to snap. It's ready to move higher. We got the Dow down 96 points. Earlier this week, we were flirting with 14,000. Now, we're flirting with 13,000. I'm bummed out. NASDAQ down 25, sitting at 30, 48, 3,048. S&P 500 down 9, sitting at 1,403. Are happy days here again? Not likely. Political stars are starting to align, regardless of who wins the next election under almost any scenario. We're going to have to get it together. We're going to have to. Will Congress be a lame duck Congress? This is easily the most dysfunctional Congress we've seen in many, many, many a year. Feels like political stars are starting to pull together. Odds are good that they're going to come up with a plan to address the fiscal cliff sooner than later. The Treasury debt ceiling, which expires early next year, and fiscal sustainability. Banking systems on much more solid ground. Households have done a very good job of reducing their debt. And most importantly, the American businesses are in good financial shape because of low interest rate costs. Everyone's reduced their debt. Everyone's got their balance sheets order. Everyone is a little bit more prepared for profitability. You're listening to me, Rob Black. Talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Purchase new U.S. homes. Purchase new U.S. homes. Rose more than projected in July to match a two-year high. A sign that the industry helped trigger the recession. It's recovering. Got stories on Hollywood. I got stories on West Nile. In fact, I'm pulling for the West Nile virus. I know you're saying you're pulling for a virus that's infected people in 38 states. It's going to be the worst year in history for West Nile. I am. 41 deaths. We need more people to die because we can't afford their Social Security, Medicare, Medicaid, Medicare. I know you're with me on this one. You're silently pulling for the virus, but you can't admit it in public because it's, uh, how shall we say, not hip. You'll get there. Let's take a quick look at the market numbers. And what we have is the SP 500 down 8, NASDAQ down 23, Dow Jones and Average down 91. 
Let's welcome into studio certified financial planner, Chad Burton. Mr. Burton is a certified financial planner with newfocusfinancial.com. Let's talk some of the basics of a 401k. I love the 401k, the 403b, the 457. Great investment vehicle for getting to retirement. But what do you put into it can be problematic for a lot of people, Chad. Yeah, I mean, that's where most of Americans save these days. So that's where the biggest part of their nest egg is and, and the least amount of help they have access to because... A lot of times, if you want to use a fee-based investment advisor, they can't go in daily and manage your 401k. Yeah, it's money that's tied up. It's not liquid. Yeah. So it's your nest egg that you're not going to have managed until you hit retirement. Um, your 401k, there's you know some basics in it, You know, large-cap funds, mid-cap funds, small-cap funds. People have typically about 20 choices, and they look at performance, and they don't know what they're looking at. Can you help make some of this Chinese gibberish into you know, common sense investing ideas? Yeah. First of all, when you start picking your mutual funds, um, you know, if you're younger and you're in your twenties and thirties and you're looking for the retirement date funds, those are good for the younger people. You know, if you want to, if you're thinking you're going to retire in 2040 or 2050, then pick that fund, especially if you're only doing a couple thousand a year, it'll automatically start off aggressive and then peel down over time. It'll automatically rebalance for you. But if you don't have those funds or you're older and you have a larger dollar amount that you want to be more into picking the right funds, the first thing you do is cover up the one- and three-year returns. They don't mean anything. Right. In fact, usually the funds that you end up wanting to pick are the ones that have the best 10-year track record, but they've done the worst over the last three years. And the reason I say that is we've talked about the Callan periodic table of investments all the time where you can... Google that, C-A-L-L-A-N, and um, what it shows is that asset classes tend to be the best performers for three years in a row and be one of the worst performers for the next couple of years, and then it rotates. And so you want the funds that have consistent 10-year track records, um, and the buying opportunity is when the one-year track record just looks ugly, typically. Like, for instance, right now in 2012, a lot of people like small cap stocks because the U.S. is coming out of a recession. Mm-hmm. And it's slowly growing, and small caps are picking up some momentum. In a recession, they got hit the hardest. Um, right now, people are looking at Europe and saying this might be a problem for a couple of years. They might have recessions for a couple of years, so let's cut down our international exposure. It, it's something, in hindsight, it's really easy to look at. But it's tough to predict where you where you should put your money in the future, Chad. Yeah, and also when you look at the, the, the track record, you got to make sure the manager's been there for the whole time. Right. You know, because a lot of times you get a 10-year track record, and it comes from two really big stellar years where they might have done really well on Apple. Um, but the rest of the time, they've been mediocre. So you want good 10-year track record. If you're comparing two funds, you want the one with the lower standard deviation, um, less volatility, more consistent returns. And then it be, really becomes a point of you know setting your asset allocation plan and turning on maybe the automatic rebalancer that you have on your 401k. And what that does is the automatic rebalancer will always, every quarter or six months or a year, go in and it'll sell. If you start off with an asset allocation model, maybe that's you know 10% uh, – mid-cap, five small, 20 large, whatever it may be, if that strays and all of a sudden your your mid-cap becomes more than what you wanted, it'll right. automatically sell it and rebalance your overall portfolio, which is really key to long-term investing to, main, to, to maintain your risk. So New so, Focus Financial, the 401k, mm-hmm. it does an auto-rebalance? Uh, you can turn on the huh. auto rebalancing plan for you sure. Recommend that, which is a good idea. If younger people, you know, maybe once a year. When you get closer to retirement, that's maybe four times a year. Okay. Because the best time to sell and rebalance is when the market's doing well and everybody thinks it's going to continue to do well, right? When everybody thinks it's going to do something, that's when the market will do something opposite. So it's it's really just peeling the house money off the table right. and redeploying it. And you and I have an interesting scenario because we're we're both in the same generation X kind of world. We probably, our generation, the average person will work five, six, seven, eight jobs, whereas our parents, they stayed at one job their whole career. Yeah. So what do you do when you leave a company and have like five or six 401ks, you work for a nonprofit, so you have 403B, 457. What do you do when you have so many of these products uh, piled up? Well, it's, it's pretty easy because that's when you pick one of your favorite brokerage firms to deal with because uh, let's say you go to a TD Ameritrade where you can buy thousands of different mutual funds, no-load funds, and 100 different ETFs without a trading cost, consolidate that all into one IRA so you can actually manage it and track it. So you open up the IRA account, you get the account number, and then you call the different old 401k companies that you have and process the rollovers. They send a check to you, and then you deposit it into your account. 
And also, you know, a lot of people struggle with they're older, they're 55 and older. Most of their funds are in a 401k. They need help managing it, but it's stuck in the 401k, so they can't do anything with it. Okay. But you can call and ask your company, I'm 55, am I allowed to do an in-service IRA rollover and continue to work? And a lot of times that'll allow you to roll your funds over into a self-directed IRA. That way you can hire somebody to on a fee basis to help you manage it and get it into the right spots. Wrapping up the segment, what do you think about Morningstar.com and how they can analyze your 401ks with some of their products? Um, I think Morningstar.com and Financial Engines are the you know main resources that people have available to them in their 401ks. Um, again, I wouldn't just be concentrating on picking the five-star funds because even though they've improved the, fi- the ratings for the yeah. stars, it still means you're kind of picking funds that have already rung the bell. Right. So don't be afraid of three- and four-star funds. Uh, in my portfolio right now, I own a two-star fund. It's because we know the manager, where they came from, right. and what they're investing in right now. It's interesting that you note that because when you're an amateur at this, you look at five-star funds and you're like, that's the Cadillac of funds. That's the one I want. But there's no such thing as a six-star fund. Yeah. And Morningstar at one point in time in their own 401k, they had no five-star funds being offered. Which shows you, you don't really want the five-star fund. You want the two-star that becomes the five-star. And I can't remember how many years ago they slightly changed the rating system because the five-star was kind of almost offering underperformance. Right. So it's, it's, you got to dig deeper than just a star rating. That's good stuff. It's certified financial planner Chad Burton. He's with us daily. He's an excellent addition to the show. You can find him at newfocusfinancial.com, newfocusfinancial.com. And again, he is a certified financial planner. So a couple quick things to hit on. Going to be talking about what happens at death to your estate. Going to be talking Apple. Going to be talking HP. Much, much more. Rob Black and your money, the Wall Street Business Network. This is Glenn Hansard. Uh, I wish I could sing. He's an Academy Award-winning songwriter, vocalist, guitarist for Irish group The Frames. He's one half the folk rock duo with the Swell Season. Uh, I don't know. There's something that I like about him. He uh, won the Academy Award for the song Falling Slowly, which is just an amazing movie if you get a chance to see it once. Uh, Owen C.E. Once, co-written with his co-star Margata Oglova. I know you're saying, did you just say Margata Oglova? I did. Um, guys, if you want to impress your ladies with a romantic movie, rent Once. Um, very, very cool soundtrack. He was on the soundtrack for the Hunger Games. Uh, he's just one of those people that I think he pulls off the singer-songwriter better than most singer-songwriters. Doesn't come across as cliche. Um, I don't know. Those Dublin Ireland boys always get me. I once was on the English Channel, taking a ferry from Ireland to France, uh, going to some World Cup matches. And uh, Irishmen, they can sing. That's all I'm going to say. I'm not going to say anything else. Irishmen, they can sing. Okay, they drink a little bit too. I said it. The world's youngest billionaire is distancing himself ever so slightly from the social networking giant that he helped create. A guy named Dustin Moskovitz. He sold 450,000 shares in the last week. Um, he didn't sell IPO. I mean, whoa. Talking about making a billion-dollar mistake. Peter Thiel, he sold a majority of his shares. There's kind of this growing group of people cashing out. And that's why you don't own IPOs. Because it's an initial public offering so that the privates can get out. I don't know what else is worthy of mentioning. Anything? 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 The SP 500 down 5, the NASDAQ down 16, the Dow Jones Industrial Average down 69. 
what's on your financial mind? Oftentimes I say, you know, you got to get the basics right. I continue to see people try to make their lives complicated by buying investment product that they don't understand. It's sad. It's tragic. It's part of the process. Um, you know, I like cash flow. That's one of the things I like. I like dividends. Buybacks are okay. They're better than a stick in the eye. But cash flow really means something for me. It's something you really got to get a good grasp of. I continue to see people make huge mistakes. They don't understand tax planning. I think you have to have a manifesto. I've written mine down. I know who I am as an investor. If you've never read the Communist Manifesto, I think you should. I think it teaches you enormous things. I have to remind myself on a regular basis who I am. That's why I have a manifesto. You know, I stick with a game plan. I look at my investment value on a daily basis when I want to feel like powerful and happy. Uh, because I'm a working class dog. I'm just like you. I, I put my nose to the grindstone and I work my butt off. Some weeks in the last year, I've probably worked 80 to 100 hour weeks. If you count in weekends, easily 100, 110 hour weeks. So I'm, I'm, I only look at my worth when I, when I get a little depressed, a little discouraged. I know that stocks are risky. I've written this down. Stocks are risky. I've lost money in stocks. I remember that. I'm really, really comfortable with that. But am I comfortable that Visa and Apple and McDonald's, Wells Fargo, are going to do well in my lifetime? I am. They're around when I was a little baby. They'll be around when my little babies have little babies. I know you're saying that's a lot of talk about babies. You know, one of my favorite characters in movie history is Big Baby from Toy Story 3. I know you're saying you shouldn't admit that out on air, but I just did. I just did. I like to sell high and buy low. So I rebalance my 401k by selling my winners and buying my losers in mutual funds. With stocks, I do the opposite. I keep my winners and I sell my losers. I rebalance my portfolio every quarter because of that mutual fund dilemma in my 401k. Um, stocks are not so risky in the long term. If you believe in capitalism, do you think McDonald's is going to lose money over the next 10, 15, 20, 30 years? No. Do you think Nike's going to lose money in the next 10, 20, 15, 30 years? LeBron X shoes sell for $315. LeBron X is the 10th shoe. Inflation of 9% year over year in cost of shoe. Back to school, $315 for the LeBron X. Now, I'm not in high school, but if I was, I would be begging for the LeBron Xs, even though I don't play basketball. I'm a white guy who can't jump. Nike dominates their market. We continue to pay an egregious amount of money for shoes that we don't necessarily need, nor can we maximize. There's technology inside the LeBron X that is so complicated, you log onto the internet and it tells you how well you play basketball. That's pretty cool. Stocks are not risky in the long term based on capitalism. Do you think Nike's not going to make money in the next 15 years? Now, okay, let's say you're working for a semiconductor company that's making a super small, discreet power conductor, super internet conducted Bluetooth for the record, Bluetooth is just nasty. I dated a girl once with Bluetooth. Not sexy in any way, shape, or form. Kind of nasty and janky, if you know what I'm saying. So do you think that company that's making a super high-edge technology, cutting, bleeding, tightrope company is going to be a business 15? Who knows? That's risky. Absolutely. But do you think Intel is going to be pulling out the rake? This weekend, I had rake leaves off my yard. I was going to say lawn, but then I said yawn. That didn't sound right. 
So this weekend I had to rake some leaves off. I know it's fall, right? I actually planted trees that, that leaves fall with a basic knowledge in my head that I actually like to rake. I know you're saying, you're insane. You should have done an evergreen. I probably should have. But I actually like to rake. It reminds me that I'm going to die one day. I miss the seasons of the East Coast. I miss the seasons enormously. I'm an East Coast guy who's been in California a little bit too long, and I'm turning soft. So I go outside the United States to vacation. I love Mexico. Dos cervezas, por favor. Huevos rancheros. Poolside. Unbelievable. Or as I like to say, my friend Mike Tyson, unbeatable. Unbeatable. I love going outside the United States. And in investing, I love going outside the United States. We can't live on American capitalism only. That's like a high-protein diet. You got you to gotta get out there. You got to get into Asia. And yeah, Asia stinks right now. But from 2002 to 2008, you know where I made most of my money in Asia? I stick with my game plan. I keep cool. When other people freak out, I'm cool. There's a scene in Blazing Saddles where he shows his left hand and it's steady as a rock. And then he shows his right hand. It's shaking like an epileptic. And he goes, that's my shooting hand. I keep cool. You need to keep cool. In good times and in bad times. I don't chase anything. I once got confused with the phrase, stretch my legs, spread my legs. I stretch my legs, but I spread my investments in different asset classes. On a monthly basis, I invest. On a bi-weekly basis, I invest. If I receive a windfall, I invest. I'm not worried about the timing. I'm not worried this year might be the best year ever or the worst year ever. Because I got 30 years ahead of me. I regard my home as a place I live, not as an investment. I'm happy if it goes up, but it's, it's a liability. I like paying myself a little bit of principal on a monthly basis. Unfortunately, that principal is going to underperform inflation, and I know it. I know that higher returns equals higher risk, and I'm not a, I don't want to lose money. I work hard shaking my booty. Last thing I want to do is lose the money that I get in tips. You know what I'm saying? Because I, I still work hard shaking my booty. So I'm not chasing high returns. I invest, I save, I plan, I look for returns that are appropriate for my age, appropriate for how much money I have. If I didn't have a lot of money, I'd probably plan on working until the day I died. You're listening to Rob Black and Your Money on the Wall Street Business Network. Dell has confirmed plans to expand their cloud services, trying to deliver private cloud infrastructure as service. <sighs> Boring, right? Let's wait to see some encryption. Word I made up. You could figure out what it means. Another word I made up, murder-related. I've got a patent pending on that one. Don't try to steal it. Kayak. Reported revenue and earnings last night. We gave guidance. We guided for third quarter third quarter revenue of seventy six to seventy eight million ahead of the seventy three million expectations. EBITDA, which is kind of a funny thing, to be sixteen to seventeen million dollars. The year over year growth at Kayaks up twenty four to twenty eight percent. That's not too shabby. Not all these internet companies stink. Just Facebook, Groupon, and Zynga. They're hurting a lot of other decent companies. Now, EBITDA is a term that I know you won't grasp until I put it this way. Earnings before interest tax depreciation and amortization. Right? You with me? What's that mean? It's kind of a fairy book number of what we would have earned 
if we didn't have to pay interest, tax, depreciate. Suddenly, it's like a made-up number. So, yeah, you can grow your revenue like a weed, but you're reporting numbers in a, a made-up fairy tale engineering kind of way. Kayak says that their mobile apps have been downloaded on over 18 million devices. Mobile queries surged 95% year over year to 57 million. The company said it believes mobile users are even more loyal than its desktop users. It's beginning to show in monetization mobile rhythms. Revenue per thousand queries improved by 13 bucks year over year, especially on hotels. There's mobile apps that I'm really sticky with. I am. Kayak entered four new markets, Brazil, Poland, Russia, Portugal. International operations up 52% year over year. So I'm not going to throw the baby out with the bathwater, even though it does sound like a good night's sleep. Go, baby. Out with the bathwater. Daddy needs some sleep. Tessero, which strangely is close to Valero in sound of name, they do the same business. They refine things for a living, refine oil. Target goes up to 38 bucks, all the way up to 53 bucks. That's a pretty bullish call. I mean, come on, man. That's like, um, what is that like? A 40% raise in expectations? Recent BP refining marketing acquisition. Transactions expect to be 24% accretive to earnings, and firm believes that the number could grow to look even more conservative. So, Tessero, well-loved in the world of upgrades and downgrades today. I know you're saying, this is probably your best show ever. You get that feeling, too. Apple spent at least $32 million in one patent infringement dispute with Google's Motorola ability unit. I'm tired of these people suing each other. I'm tired of athletes being kicked out of sports just because they did a little testosterone. I say legalize everything. Screw the historical records. I want to see a, a 700-foot home run by a guy who could throw the ball 110 miles an hour. I want to see it. Doesn't mean I have to do it. I like my new dads, and I don't need to shrink them in any way, shape, or form taking drugs. But if athletes want to do it, I'm all for it. When you have smartphone wars, I know you're saying, how did that come about? Oh, I'm tired of lawsuits. $1,200 an hour attorneys helping Apple? $1,200 an hour? Like, don't even pick up the phone and call them because you just, for a one-minute call, holy mackerel. I'd hate to give a wrong number. Apple's $32 million expenses in one Motorola mobility dispute equals less than six hours of iPhone sales. But that's still a crazy thing. More than money, the complaints seek to use the power of patent law to force competitors to remove popular features or disrupt distribution. That's what it's all about. Apple contains devices using Google's Android operating system, copy features that make the iPhone and the iPad unique. Of course, there's counterclaims. Apple co-founder Steve Jobs. Let's change his name to Jobs. Let's make him English or British. I know you're saying, don't do it. Don't reinvent history. I want to. Steve Jobs told his biographer he'd spend $40 billion if necessary on a thermonuclear war to prove that Android phones copy the iPhone. I love people who get dramatic. I will do anything necessary, including thermonuclear war. First and foremost, why not nuclear war? Or war? It has to be thermonuclear? Rambus spent $56 million in 2008, 2009 in their legal issues. So this isn't new. I don't know. Just make it all go away, mommy. Mommy, mommy, mommy. Um, Nike, back to Nike. Um, Nike has issued new safety rules to restores. 
tied towards the release of the LeBron James high-tech basketball show. That's where we're at. We're at a culture of people don't save enough money. So we have to issue safety rules. People spend money on depreciating assets. That's why you're poor. People make investment decisions based on emotion. That's why you're poor. People carry high interest debt. That's why you're poor. And people don't save enough money. Millionaires save 20% of their income. I save 15% minimum. And yes, I am worth multi-millions. Please send your resumes. I want teeth x-rays. I want to see all 32 toothlets, so to speak. Send your emails to rob at robblack.com. It's rob at robblack.com. You're just Rob Black and your money on the Wall Street Business Network. Later in the show, I'm going to talk about nylon and spandex and the ramifications they've had in our society. But first and foremost, John Lennon's killer was denied parole for a seventh time. Yoko Ono shows up at a parole hearing and she sings a song for him. And he's like, put me back in. Just put me back in. One in five recent college grads said the first job said that the first job was on their career path. Average starting salary, $27,000. Dow's struggling today. Close to lows for the day. Down 63 buckaroos. NASDAQ's down 11. S&P 500 down 7. Oil's up. Gold up. We're waiting for China to cut interest rates. I know. We're waiting for Europe to do something substantial and quantitative. Hmm. What else do I want to throw out there? Meg Whitman and HP. They're talking about a four-year turnaround, not a instant turnaround. That's got people a little freaked out. So we're waiting on foreign markets while we here deal with things like sales of new U.S. homes increased to match a two-year high. Yay! Sales climbed 3.6%. Buyers returned to the market to take advantage of cheaper properties and record low mortgage rates, helping boost orders for builders like Toll Brothers. Competition from foreclosures, unemployment exceeding 8%, limited credit, not holding back housing. So that's one data point we're looking at. Another data point we're looking at, sales of new houses, up 25% from a year ago. Median price for a new house decreased 2.5% in July. Prices of existing homes improved 3.2% year over year. Average rate on a 30-year fixed mortgage was 3.49% in the week of July 26. It's since climbed about 3.6%. So this is a pretty good time to be in the business or the need for a mortgage. It looks like Florida Governor Rick Scott is letting the Republicans decide whether to call the party's national convention in Tampa if Tropical Storm Isaac hits the area. More than 50,000 people are expected to visit the Tampa Bay area. Scott declined to disclose contingency plans. The beef herd has tumbled to a 40-year low on feed cost surge. Apple Apple patent battle is jacking up lawyer rates, $1,200 an hour. Diageo is in the news today. I love me some Diageo. Liquor, liquor, liquor in my belly, belly, belly. Scotchy, scotch, scotch. Right? Mm, I love scotch. Out of the business Diageo's in, is it a company that will be around the day I die? Tequila's been around 
Jose Cuervo has been around since the late 1700s. Do I think Diageo will still be in business the day I die? Diageo distributes eight of the world's 20 top spirit brands. Smirnoff, Bailey's, Johnny Walker, Jose Cuervo, Tangeray, Captain Morgan, Guinness Beer. I do think they're going to be around the day I die. So as an investor, I'd consider it, wouldn't you? So they're in the news today. Profit rising, emerging markets are working well for them. World's biggest distiller reported increased annual revenue and profits recovering demand for spirits. Earnings before interest and tax rose to 3.2 billion pounds. It's a London-based company. That's the only thing I got against them. They made $5.1 billion in the last 90 days. Organically speaking, sales up 9%. Diageo is delivering. Again, when I buy it, quoting a 1970s movie, which I can't really quote because there's a dirty word in it, but you bet your sweet bum I'd buy it. Increasing dividend underscores management's confidence. Um, <laughs> oh, good golly. World corn production is going to be smaller than expected. Please don't show me those potbelly kids from Africa starving. Please don't do it. Don't show me any more pets being lonely and dying and abused. Please, I don't want to see the, the filth of the world. Show me Hollywood. Hollywood, once a city in Los Angeles known for Julia Roberts walking down as a prostitute, a pretty woman. It's going under a massive revitalization. Developers are building about 1.1 million square feet of offices, retail space, and apartments. Kilroy Realty Group, there's some KRCs behind it. Demand from media, entertainment, and tech industries are driving projects. It's gentrification, and I'm totally good with gentrification. Push the prostitutes out to Pasadena. I know, can I call them hoes? Is that too divisive? Listen to this crazy statistics. Apple's worth 30 Dells. Apple's worth 17 HPs, 15 Facebooks, 6 Amazons, 5 Intels. It's worth 2 Microsofts. Just something to think about. What else do we need to take, think about today? Five reasons you're poor. You don't save enough. You need to save somewhere between 10 and 20% of your salary if you want to be a millionaire, 20%. Americans save 4.4%. Millionaires save 16% more than the average American. A 30-year-old who makes $75,000 a year saves 20%. You earn just 6%, just 6% below the market's average. And you end up with $1.6 million at age 65. Reason Americans are poor, they carry high dividend, high interest debt. People don't understand how high interest debt costs them. Yeah, I know you like using your credit card because it's got points. Yeah, I know you think you get a free TV every two or three years. But you don't. Average balance for people who carry a balance on their cards is over $15,000 with an interest rate near 15%. That alone will cost them thousands of dollars over a lifetime. The true cost or opportunity cost, $1.3 million game changer. People are poor because they make investment decisions based on emotions. They get in the market when it's high. They get out of the market when it's low. Let's take a break here. Come back. Rally. Find me at robblack.com. Rob Black and your money on the Wall Street Business Network.
Visit Rob Black online at robblack.com. Now, back to Rob Black and your money on AM 1220 KDOW. Fiscal cliff, who gets hit? Layoffs and furloughs are going to come. A reduction in immunizations, fewer meals for seniors in need. That's who's going to get hit. Fiscal cliff will cause a recession. We're not going to have a fiscal cliff hit. We're going to kick the can down the road. Over 1.2 million job seekers may no longer have access to federal employment assistance. It's just not how America works. We'd rather kick the can down the road. Half of mortgage borrowers under 40 are underwater. Not literally underwater. Let's take a look at the market numbers. SP 500 down six today. The NASDAQ down 12. Dow Jones and Slavage down 80. Joining me now, CFP Chad Burton. You can find him at newfocusfinancial.com. It's newfocusfinancial.com. Best way to reduce shocks to a portfolio, both in retirement as well as in youth. Thoughts? Yeah, well, I mean, world events. Let's let's just look at the last decade. We've seen a tech bubble, and then we saw a real estate bubble, and now we're right in the middle of a debt bubble. We've seen Greece. We're dealing with issues of Spain and Italy now. Uh, what's next, Iran? I, I mean, think, I think it's going to be Mr. Bubble. Mr. Bubble? I think he's making a resurgence, and people are going to say, the next bubble is Mr. Bubble. <laughs> All right. Well, let's just go with that. So the best way that I've seen to to reduce the shocks in overall portfolio is to stay diversified and rebalance often. Not sexy. No, no. Well, I mean, here's here's the deal, though. When when people come and talk about asset allocation, it can go into other levels. For example, in your bond portfolio, do you own not only corporate bonds, high yield bonds, government bonds in the form of tips? Um, you know, also international bonds. I mean, if you're earning, if the dollar falls, for example, let's say inflation is a shock or a falling dollar is a shock to the overall market. If you're earning interest in other currencies and foreign bonds, that's a good hedge against the dollar. But the best way to do it is to make sure you have emergency reserves. And when you're, you know, young and working at six to 12 months of your family's expenses in cash. So if you need, you know, $4,000 a month to keep the lights on and the food on the table in your house, you need six times that a minimum in cash. Can you put that in muni bonds? No. Because I get that question all the time, people who want to use their cash to get higher returns. Now, potentially, I mean, there's, there's you know, California tax-free money market accounts, and that's okay. You've saw, you've seen issues, though, where that has you know, had issues of, of returns. You saw a couple of money market funds break the buck in 2008 and nine. That's, um, fr- that's a phrase, just to let people know, that... We never thought the the buck could be broken, right? Because most money market shares trade at a dollar a share all the time, and the institution never wants to give you ninety nine cents back because that would be shameful for them. Well, and most money market funds are costing mutual fund families money now to keep them at a dollar. Gotcha. Because you can't hunt for yield. They were hunting for yield in European bank paper, and they're pretty much out of it at this point. So it's harder to even keep. You know, their interest rates above zero. But with that said, it's, you know, when you're in retirement or close to retirement, you need three years worth of your portfolio draws in cash because world events will occur. Seven out of 10 years are positive, three out of 10 years are negative. To get through those negative years in the market when you can't rebalance your portfolio and peel off gains because there aren't any, right. you've got to have the cash to live off of. If you look at your portfolio over all of the last three bubbles that we've had, balanced portfolios have averaged over 6%. Unless you drew on them when they were down. In that case, you're way behind. So to to ward that off, you've got to invest the right way in asset allocation, have different asset classes that are doing well um, when the stock market isn't, and you've got to have cash for when everything is doing poorly. Like 2009, asset allocation, everything fell off a cliff. Even gold fell off a cliff in a really ugly time because hedge funds were having to sell it to meet redemptions. Okay, let's ask. Let me ask some questions and you short answers. Okay. Okay. At this moment in time, do you own corporate bonds? Yes. At this moment in time, do you own high yield bonds? Yes. At this moment in time, do you own tips? Yes. Treasuries? Uh, yes, in the intermediate term. I'm not. I can't tell you if I will in 12 months. But how about right dividend now? achievers? Oh, majority of the stock portfolio. Okay. 100% of our individual stocks, dividend achievers, and a good portion of our balanced ETF no load fund portfolio is dividend achiever. 
And you know, like in a bullish market, that most of those are going to underperform the bullish stocks. But yet you still have to do it. And in a bearish market, those are going to save you. Well, that's, you or see, am here's, I oversimplifying? You're oversimplifying because I think actually in a dividend achiever, um, well, not okay. just dividend paying stocks, those have underperformed a bull market. Dividend achievers are growing companies that still pay a dividend. So the yield isn't as high, but their growth, you, you look for growth there too. But where they get, you know, in a dividend achiever, where you 2009, for example, the income in the stock portfolio still went up, even though the overall market was down, yep. because you're, divi- you're buying companies that raise their dividend. So between your three years' worth of expenses in cash and your dividends that come in on a quarterly basis, you've got that hedge. I mean, the way that I do it is I'm always at least hedging, you know, five to seven years' worth of income, so I know I don't have to sell anything. If we go through a period of like 2000 when the market topped out, tanked, down to 2003, and then recovered by 2007. I want to be able to get people through those types of periods because they're going to be retired from 65 to 100. Okay. Probably what I should have said is that sometimes these basket of income producers make us feel like I wish the money was elsewhere. In hindsight, I wish I had it all at Apple. Mm -hmm. But you just can't do it. No. Asset allocation, you're going to have to realize that when the market is 100% bull market – um, you will underperform a little bit because your bonds won't be keeping up with the the stocks. Your, uh, you know, your your emerging markets tend to fall more than the S and P five hundred in a na- in a negative year, but they tend to do better in a in a good year. So it it's it all rotates. It all reverts to the mean. Talking best ways to reduce shocks in a portfolio in retirement. It's CFP Chad Burton. You can find him at Law Online ChadBurton.com. That's chadburton.com or his company, newfocusfinancial.com. That's newfocusfinancial.com. He and I do seminars around the Bay Area all the time. You can come out and meet him. He's a good guy. I think you'll grow to like him. So we have a lot to talk about, in my opinion. Investments, um, stock picks, anything that you want to do to get to retirement. We could talk Apple and Samsung. Bartolo Colon, his career's over. Why? Seems like testosterone-flavored milkshakes are in vogue of late. Financial fallout from suspension will be less severe for Mr. Colon than Mr. Cabrera. Mr. Colon's 2012 salary of $2 million. So in 40 games, he's going to... So the remaining 40 games this season, he's going to lose 493000 he may have gotten a one more, one-year deal one more time, but he was already at the end of his rope. Don't be surprised if you've seen his last pitch. You listen to Rob Black and your money. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Find me online at robblack.com. You're listening to Rob Black and Your Money on AM 1220 KDOW. Welcome in. Rob Black and Your Money. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial money, investing, and more. Sex and love and the future of I do. Things are changing. Things are changing pretty aggressively in my world. Sexual revolution was born in the laps of DuPont. A lot of people thought it was the Beatles in the summer of love that did the sexual revolution, but not in any way, shape, or form. It was the invention of polyurethane, polyurea copolymer, spandex. We're going through a sexual revolution now, an important one, done by the web. How does the web measure up to spandex? The age of internet dating women have assumed a new kind of power. Because of the web, people are able to go browsing for mates. 
even when they're married, especially when they're married. The web's ability to put people in touch is fueling a redesign of sexual relationships. The new power comes by virtue of men outnumbering women 13 to 1 on sites dedicated to infidelity. 13 to 1. Men are begging for women to cheat on their spouses. That gives women power. It empowers them. They're not the increasing number of women who are subject to sexual trafficking. So you need to be very, very careful on how we think about this. They're making the decisions. Back in 1967 with the Summer of Love, the Beatles sparked up the counterculture of the 1950s. Nobody saw it coming. Because we weren't looking inside the Dolan's industrial labs of DuPont and seeing spandex and seeing pantyhose, nylons. Spandex changed our sensory experiences, just like less obvious products like color do. Combined with nylon, which was invented in 1939, spandex allowed for the production of tights with no garter or stocking belt, which in turn meant designers could take the hemline of the skirt way, 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 way up. The 1965 miniskirt took off. This is important to know because you have to understand how product drives economies. You go back to the 1930s, and people have always wanted to distance themselves from their mother's generation. Musicians are able to encapsulate that with the music of the day which created a lot of public exhibition and a lot of sexuality. The 1960s unleashed romantic love without an institutional setting. Now, the web is a business driver today. 1960s changes to women's fashion as much as birth control pill. It created a highly charged sexual environment no one ever experienced before. People are still making billions and billions and billions of dollars from tights. The Beach Boys and the Beatles laying down the soundtrack that we still tap to basically our life. Three-minute songs that capture mystery, pain, love, romance, and more. Paul McCartney was only 22 years old when he wrote Yesterday, a song that's been covered 2,200 times. Lennon thought the song was good, but not brilliant, because it concluded on nothing. It resolved nothing. So pay what's happening on the web and how it's empowering women. There's a sexual revolution going on. This is part of the longer narrative. The current business model for infidelity. Young to mid-aged women are driving a cash bargain for attentions. You know, we're driving up path as of yesterday for let's go to the Bahamas or give me a spare handbag. I think people are wrestling with completely inadequately the legacy of romantic love from the 1960s and wondering what it may mean in the carousel of the last five years. The surprise in our planned affair, it might help temper you. But in the reality of temptation and infidelity, uh, I've had numerous recessions in my life. Women have power now, according to dating sites. And there is a revolution of, I can trade up, I can do well. But be careful, because uh, one thing I can tell you is that we go through recessions and we go through boom periods. Make sure you're always making your decisions for the right reasons. That's all I got for you on love. I promise I won't talk about love for many, many weeks. Let's talk about the depressing, discouraging aspects of half of people under age 40 are underwater on their mortgages. Rising home prices help nearly 1 million homeowners emerge from being underwater on their mortgage. 
but younger homeowners are still struggling to stay afloat. The percentage of borrowers who owed more on their homes than they were worth fell to 30.9% in the second quarter, down from 31.4% three months earlier. Of the 15 million borrowers who are underwater, most of them are under the age of 40. 48% of all mortgage borrowers under the age of 40 are underwater. That's twice the rate of people who are older. There's going to be a mortgage probe, and will that lead to action? Negative equity is trapping young people in their homes. It's preventing them from selling. These homes are like the very starter home potential first-time home buyers are seeking. It's kind of an underwater generation. So should you short sell? I think you should short sell if you're underwater 30 to 40%. Absolutely. I think you should consider it. If it's a lovely place that you want to be in for the next 10, 20, 30, 40 years and you're only underwater 10, 15%, you'll be fine over the next 10, 20, 30, 40 years. Closer to the 30 or 40 years. But it's a big problem for people to be upside down. People don't like it. They're a little freaked out. Um, Bartolo Colon. I don't know what to say. Performance-enhancing drugs. I'm pro-performance-enhancing drugs. Again, I want to see a seven-foot home run. I'll even say in the Little League World Series is fine with me because I have no internal editor. A couple things that you need to know about investing. Money. We're having a down day today. Basically, the world is looking to banks to ease monetary policy. That's not good. I know you know that. That's not good. Um, Apple down a buck sixty today. Let's take a look at the market numbers. SP 500 is down six, and Nasdaq's down seven. The Dow Jones Industrial Average 84. China is showing some real slowing of growth. They're going to eventually act on it, it'll happen on a weekend. One of the reasons we've been having bad Friday, or bad Mondays, is because we're not getting a lot of action. Germany has to get a little bit tougher for them to take action. I mean, their economy has to hit a wall. It has to stop. Otherwise, kicking the cans, what they think is in the best interest. Hmm. This is a story I don't like hearing. The FAA is falling behind in the battle to protect planes from birds. I do not like this. U.S. airline regulators lack enforcement, expertise, and record-keeping to fight the growing threat of bird strikes, such as the one that brought down a U.S. Airways flight in New York's Hudson River. The FAA failed to act against eight randomly selected airports violating agency bird strike prevention policies on 25 occasions. We're getting a lot of near misses. I'm not sure if you're paying attention. Population of Canadian geese, brown pelicans, sandhill cranes, and wild turkeys pose a risk to airlines because birds can get sucked into jet engines and cause catastrophic failures. Wildlife strikes rose to 9,800 in 2011. That's up five-fold from 1990. FAA inspectors mostly relied on interviews with airport executives, not record checks, to monitor compliance. Some airports don't even report wildlife strikes. Okay, I want to say this one more time. 9,800 wildlife strikes. That's a freaking me out. You are freaking me out. Shares of guests are plunging 18.5%. Clothing retailers' profit declined 29%, mostly due to lower sales in North America and weakness in Europe. FHFA, Federal Housing Finance Agency, said home prices rose 7 tenths percent in the month of June. Sales of new U.S. home sales climbed in the month of July. Big Lots hammered. Big Lots getting a big hammering today, down 21%. Forecasting comparable same-store sales declined to low single-digit rate. HP is dragging down tech stocks. Boo, HP. Boo. You're listening to Rob Black and your money. You can find me at Twitter, Rob Black Show, Twitter, Rob Black Show. 
I do have a seminar coming up for Wealth Preservation Retirement Planning in Los Gatos, California. For those of you in Seattle, feel free to fly down. These are fun events. You can find out more at robblack.com. It's robblack.com. It's going to be Thursday, September 13th, so it's right around the corner. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Call the show 800-516-1220. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.